Welcome to the Onyx Pathcast. I'm this week's host, Dixie Cochran, here with Eddie Webb. Hello. And Matthew Dawkins. Privet, comrade. <laughs> I love how Matthew always manages to make me laugh with his greeting, like every time. Well, it's good to start on a high. It can only go downhill. Exactly. <laughs> oh, okay, let's let's just let's just plummet from from here on out. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about online gaming and our Onyx PathCon that we had recently. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah, I'm excited. This will be a fun conversation. Um, mm-hmm. Now I've set the bar way too high, and we can only fail. Um, <laughs> we, we've, we've we've had this topic on our spreadsheet of topics to cover for quite a long time, haven't we? Yes. yes. That does not mean that I have thought about it in any significant way. <laughs> oh, no, no. Um, but I guess it's never felt like the opportune moment. But now that we have had the Onyx Path Virtual Gaming Convention, or Onyx PathCon, hashtag Onyx PathCon, if you want to uh, help <laughs> us trend a month late, um, it, it seems it seems more appropriate. Well, and also, um, it, it, it's a lot of things have changed even besides that. I mean... Um, a year ago, or a year plus ago, when we first kind of were noodling this around, it was the idea of, here's a different way of playing games that some people are taking advantage of, you know, because we were just, I think we had just started our Twitch channel, or we're about to start a Twitch channel, um, we were looking into maybe start doing things with like Roll20, so it's a case of, oh, right. this is a cool and interesting new thing, um, and now here we are, you know, somewhere in the middle of first, second, or third wave of COVID, depending on where you live. And it's like, so if you want to game, this is pretty much how you do it right now. Right. So that changes that changes the the um the, the the interest, I would think, in the topic pretty significantly from last time we first started talking about it. Yeah, like unless you live with, you know, three roommates who you who are also your gaming group, <laughs> you're probably doing some online gaming, uh, if you're gaming at all. Though, though, can I can I mention something as uh, as a part of that living with your gaming group? Uh, what if I just said no? What if I was just like, no, <laughs> if you, you can't nah. mention anything? If, if you said no, I would nod solemnly and resent you for the rest of the hour. <laughs> <laughs> In that case, go ahead. Oh, thank you. you. You may mention something, Matthew. So this is a bit of an innovative thing I stumbled upon a couple of weeks back before the Kickstarter closed. It was a game called Alice is Missing. And it's a game that is, it's a role-playing game uh, that is conducted purely via text, via Facebook message or whatever your preferred messenger program is. All of the players who can indeed be in the same room are basically uh, portraying friends and family of the eponymous Alice who has disappeared and it's been so many hours and through various cards you receive beforehand that tells you your relationship with Alice you have to basically conduct the role play as if you were all sort of friends uh, around town talking about the last place you saw her the people she was hanging out with and get to the end of the mystery which is completely organically formed as uh, as the role play goes on and through various uh, tokens and cards that are dealt in during the course of the game so it's you know part card game part role playing uh, but you are free to play your characters however you like and mm-hmm. i just wanted to raise it now because i thought when i saw that wow this is online gaming taken to a completely natural but next level Mm-hmm. Right, uh, because people have been doing text role playing through Live Journal and forums and IRC channels for, for, for uh, Lord knows how long now. As long but, as there's been an internet, honestly. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> yeah. I used to play in mushes when I was younger. I played in yeah. BBC, BBSs, so 
But having a game that is engineered to take advantage of that platform, I think, mm-hmm. is is I guess the missing piece of the puzzle. And I think that's our friends at Hunters Entertainment that um, have made that game. So I don't know yeah. if it's on Black yeah, it yet, but uh, when it is, or their equivalent, I strongly suggest people check it out because it really looks quite a lot of fun. Um, similar, the whole, um, and we'll get into traditional games in a bit, but um, you reminded me of games that are designed specifically to be played online. Um, there's another one called ViewScream, um, which came out a number of years ago. Um, it was pitched as an online LARP, basically. Um, but the idea is that every person is a kind of generic cyberpunk netrunner. And so you're all talking through in the middle of a run and you're talking to each other on screen and then bad things happen. You get like overlays that you can put like, you know, if something bad happens to you or if, or, or you just want to have something in the background. Um, and so the idea that you are all virtually online, both in real world and in character. And so the limitations that the uh, medium has that you can't do online actually become strengths to help with the immersion of the scenario you're trying to play through. Hmm. Uh, for some reason, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's calling to mind. There was an FMV video game called Ripper, where the mm. which starred Christopher Walken uh, among various really? other actors who decided. What? to... Yeah, Burgess Meredith was in it as well. What? Okay, so now you need to look up Ripper FMV because I want to play this. <laughs> well, it's about as linear and painstaking as any other FMV game. So do bear that in mind, but. Uh, if you look up the cast list now, it is really quite amazing for for any video game, quite frankly, let alone a game of uh, questionable quality. But it's it's got Paul Giamatti the, and John Reese Davies yeah, in it. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's got um, and uh, forgive me, the lady that plays Marion in uh, Indiana Jones. Uh, is that Karen Allen? Uh, yes. She's the only other person mentioned on here. Yes. Um, I couldn't remember the actor's name, but uh, it's a game where basically murders are taking place in cyberspace or whatever they happen to call it in Ripper. And the game is one where everyone is essentially putting on VR headsets because it's very mid nineties. Who would do VR now? And um, they're <laughs> and it's all set around fictional Whitechapel, and someone is getting killed by the Ripper. And then they happen to die in real life as well. And so you have to interact through the cyberspace in order to find out which of the supporting characters is the serial killer. I mean, I think I think the biggest selling point off the Wikipedia page is that the game engine was designed with the ability to change resolution from 640 by 480 to 320 by 200 on the fly. <laughs> yeah, <Wow>. you can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when you expand that window, you are really looking at that window. And actually, um, I'm relevant to to everybody else on this podcast. Um, it also apparently featured the Blue Oyster Cult song "Don't Fear the Reaper." Yep, uh, there were yeah, totally. clues to the final mystery in the game. Uh, so it had the usual kind of puzzles that you get in any FMV or puzzle point and click game, and where if you didn't know the answer, you just couldn't advance. And the very last puzzle in the game 
was all tied into the lyrics of Don't Fear the Reaper, which are never written during the course of the game. It's just the music plays consistently throughout the damn thing. So if you've been <laughs> so if you've been listening to the lyrics and you don't have much choice, uh, you should be able to get through it. But if you've been playing on mute, except for the dialogue, uh, you end up a bit stuck and getting stabbed by Christopher Walken, probably. Yeah, it actually says that one of the most annoying things about the game is that the first person sequences can't be bypassed, so you have to watch the same graphics every time you backtrack. Yep. <laughs> oh no. Um I, I think it's oh, telling that on these search results, um uh, apparently Wired last year uh posted a story about Ripper and the title is Ripper the Inside Story of the Egregiously Bad Video Game. Oh I don't know if it deserves yes. that. Egregiously, egregiously bad. bad that is that. an impressive statement i almost want to read this article but not right now sure it doesn't egregious just mean bad really bad so it's the really bad bad game yes the really bad bad game it's also bad mm. <laughs> is this like cult of the blood god's blood dark blood dixie i think you need to get in touch with wide because they need a good editor for their website um but I love the word egregiously. Uh, I do as well, but I wouldn't say egregiously bad. Oh, I would. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, on the same subject, and before we get on to topic again... Uh, of... have, we ha- have we been on topic yet? No, I like <laughs> how we started on topic, drifted off topic, to actually haven't even started the topic yet, but we did try. So, <laughs> Well, of cults of the bloody blood gods. So, when I was working on Coldenism, for Tome of Secrets for V20 Dark Ages and Coldenism for listeners is uh, the Zimishi blood sorcery, effectively. Um, I was wondering how how I should write this and where the origin of the word Coldoon came from. So I looked it up and it's a Slavic word uh, meaning sorcerer. And I checked it with a uh, friend of mine who lives in Ukraine and she said, oh, yes, it's a common joke among vampire fans in Eastern Europe, all of the LARPers, that Koldunic sorcery basically just means sorceress sorcery. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so please make sure that in your next book it is only ever referred to as Koldunism, otherwise it basically means nothing. And so, yeah, there you go. Nice. So, nice. yeah, if you find a book where it's called Koldunic sorcery, it's sorceress sorcery. ATM machine. Yes. No, pin number. <laughs> well, I think I said IRC channel, and isn't uh, isn't the C in... Uh, does that mean channel or chat? No, it means chat. No, I'm chat. all right then. I'm all right. I'm covered. You're good. You're good. <laughs> okay. So we're talking about online games, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Including 1996's Ripper FMB, uh, <laughs> which is probably online somewhere. It's not. Um, I'm, I'm sad to say I couldn't find it online because I want to play it now and I can't play it. I, I I think you'd get the same experience watching someone else play it, honestly. It's true. I could probably find YouTube just, videos. Yeah, it is a full motion video. Keep in mind the, the, the FMV part. Uh, but yeah, the topic, Dixie. What was that? <laughs> FMV video. Uh, we're supposed to be talking. Yes, yes, we're not talking. <laughs> FMV video. No, stop it. <laughs> the topic is uh, grammar mistakes that irritate Dixie, apparently. <laughs> uh, if you're ever at a grocery store and it says 15 items or less, they are wrong. It's fewer. 15 items or fewer. <laughs> uh, we're supposed to be talking 11 minutes into this podcast about online games and right. Onyx Pathcon. 
Uh, so let's talk a little bit about like what y'all's experiences have been with online gaming in general. Uh, Eddie, what is your history with playing games on the internet? Well, I um, as I kind of alluded to uh, before, um, I actually have been playing um, games online in some form or fashion way back into uh, BBSs on my Commodore sixty four. So, um, and that kind of almost turn based gaming that you had to do, which is like I do my thing, and then someone else responds, so you do the thing. Right. Um, and sometimes it can be, especially when you only have a couple hours a day to log into your phone. It might be days between moves. Um, but, you know, you, you did what you could. Uh, um, but, I mean, after that, um, I, I, I dabbled a little bit in mushes um, and a little bit in IRC. Uh, I also did some live journal kind of multi-blogging, I guess the best way to put it, where it's like, you know, we all do interconnected storytelling. Right. Um, I think the biggest one is closest to online gaming as we understand it now is actually uh, a fantasy wrestling that I was a part of. Oh. Um, yes. Uh, uh, so I mentioned this way back, I think in episode one or two, um, the, the Eddie fate comes from when I was playing in a fantasy wrestling league. Right. Um, but um, how that worked was um, uh, the main one I was a part of was, it was called the FWO. Uh, and it was a, in 1999, it was actually a pretty big, I had like, you know, full graphics. Um, one of the guys who managed that actually was a writer for the then WWF. Um, and, you know, you had to sign the voucher for you and you had to go through an approval process to get on. Um, but then how it would work is uh, uh, you would get a sense of, okay, here's where the story is going. Um, but then the people who are working in the match or whatnot would actually have to reach out to each other and talk through what the match was going to be like. And then we would write up our individual kind of uh, promos or reports um, that were kind of like almost story. I mean, just because we were unconstrained with reality, um, we could actually do almost kind of like serialized uh, 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 stories. Right. Um, but again, it was the, there, there, there was, it wasn't just me putting something out and then someone's responding to it. Is we talk about it and then we put up our separate pieces and then we talk about the next step and we put up separate pieces. And then the game master would come in and say, okay, well, now this has changed or this is what's going to happen. So take that into account for your next steps. Um, so it was the the players collaborate, the players come up with their actions, the the person moderating the game tells you what the results of those actions are and then gives you some complications, which you then incorporate into what you want to do for your next actions. It was a longer form of that structure, but is really the tabletop role-playing game structure just writ large. Huh. Um, and then uh, uh, after that, um, did some forum play for a while. Uh, you know, basically just have one forum thread and everyone kind of talks into it. That's a pretty common play by post forum RP, pretty common nowadays. Um, but then uh, actually, I don't know if you guys remember Google Wave? Uh, briefly. Uh, not really. <laughs> That's probably the correct reaction. For like five minutes, Google had a thing that was supposed to be kind of a forum, but kind of I am and kind of a blog. Uh, huh. But it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it was weirdly very good for tabletop gaming um, because um, everyone logged in, kind of like a Google Doc, where everyone's logged into a wave at the same time or they could pop in and out if they wanted to. But if everyone was logged at the same time, you could see each other typing. And you could have separate kind of threads. And so we could have like an out-of-character thread where we talk about out-of-character stuff, a dice-rolling thread, 
in character thread. Um, each scene could have a new thread, so the game master could kind of comment in and whatnot. Um, and it worked out weirdly very well for kind of collaborative online. And that was the first experience I had for simultaneous online play. Because really everything else was, except in IRC, um, everything else was really kind of asynchronous online play. Right. Um, and the, then, yeah, yeah, I've been slowly getting my foot into uh, Roll20. I ran a Roll20 game for a while for uh, um, uh, Rich and uh, Mike Tinney and Ian and a friend of ours, Alyssa. Um, I did a vampire game for them on Roll20 back when it first launched. Um, and I'm now slowly starting to get into Twitch gaming. So the later stuff I'm less knowledgeable about, but um, I definitely have a deep history of the, the much earlier versions of online gaming. Right. Matthew? Well, actually, my first experience really of, uh, I guess, accessing the tabletop RPG world, uh, such as Dungeons & Dragons, was following on from having played Baldur's Gate, I was a member of the Black Isle forums, and Black Isle were the video game studio Mm. behind Baldur's Gate, and I was a moderator on there. And uh, yeah, I hold that aloft as a as a banner. Uh, I was a moderator. How old were you? Moderator, probably about seventeen. So this was a yeah. I was going to say, were you like a like a teen? No, I was able <laughs> to strut through the car park uh, because I was a damn moderator. <laughs> uh, it, it cushioned the blows when the bullies beat me. I could think to myself, I am a moderator. But anyway, the uh, Black Isle Forum was a lovely place, uh, and there was a small section on there for roleplay. And I was very big into my Forgotten Realms at the time. I've been reading Forgotten Realms novels for longer than I had known that they were anything to do with D&D. And so I proposed that we set up a game where we play as the gods during the Time of Troubles event from the Forgotten Realms, which is basically when all the gods are sent down to Faerun, the world in the Forgotten Realms. Uh, They are stripped of their deific powers, and they have to kind of make do or reclaim them until this uh, cataclysm comes to an end. And so a whole bunch of us were doing largely free-form roleplay as our preferred deities, Hmm. uh, with Hmm. occasional D6 dice rolling to see whether one of us or the other would be better off in a combat or something like that. But that was just through standard uh, forum layout that hasn't changed much even today. You know, sort of PH, uh, what is it, PHP, PB maybe? Uh, forums and going on from there, I was on Live Journal uh, participating in a freeform DC Heroes role playing game, which I think I mentioned on this podcast before, mm. and uh, was one of the largest reasons I ever went to America to do my uh, cross country hike. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was all sort of tied into it because the people I was staying with in Seattle when I got to the end of it uh, were people I role played with on Live Journal, mm. and that was. That was interesting because that was the first occasion I really discovered I could write fiction and or write gaming material, I should say, where when we would go out of character onto our sort of sub live journals, we would just talk about the events and people would be quite effusive in their praise for the characters I was playing and the plots I was coming up with. And I'm not saying that to sound arrogant. It was just... Uh, this was the first time I had really been praised for my writing work. And so that right. probably led to me having enough confidence to start applying for positions with White Wolf and eventually Onyx Path. Um, and this all very much evolved 
to doing things like the Vampire the Masquerade YouTube experiment, which uh, John Burke, when he was on here, talked about, uh, where we were essentially doing an online LARP via Google Hangouts and running games over Skype uh, for my YouTube channel. So, yeah, mine saw a steady evolution in the kind of programs and software I was using uh, through to the fact that just last week was the first time I have ever used Roll20 to play in a game. Mm. I have uh, I've played plenty of games over Skype or Google or Facebook or what have you, but have never until last week used Roll20 for that purpose, just because it's very rare for me to need maps and counters in my games. I just don't use them. Sure. Uh, I find it removes me from them. But uh, one of my friends is running a game called Lancer, uh, oh, which yeah. is a mech, a mech mm-hmm. RPG. Uh-huh. And uh, it's quite useful to have the space maps in that and asteroids to hide behind and things like that, So and gas clouds to hide within. Uh, so, yeah, we were using that, and it was actually a lot of fun. So I have finally caught up with the 21st century. Have you only used Roll20? Have you tried Astral? Uh, I I signed up to Astral, poked around on it. This was a few months ago. Right. And as I often do with these things, thought this requires a lot of investment and I'm actually most comfortable running games that are theater of the mind. So in the end, right. I just thought, uh, I, I'm not going to take the plunge quite yet. Yeah, I haven't hosted anything on Astral or Roll Twenty, but I have played games on both, um, and they're 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 both quite good for what they do. Uh, you know, if you need maps and things. <laughs> do, do, you, do you have any thoughts on like the differences between the two surfaces? Or I haven't played with them enough to really have any thoughts on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, we used Roll Twenty for a playtest I was doing uh, with Danielle, where mostly what we needed on the screen was a collaborative document. It wasn't actually a map. Uh, oh, of course. We, I was. Yeah, you know what? I had forgotten that because <laughs> we weren't. No, because we weren't using tiles and counters and everything. I just completely forgot that that was on roll twenty. But yeah, you're right. we were there too. <laughs> <laughs> and I then, was not. And then also, uh, I, th- I think Astral is the one where we did our Pirates of Pugmire game a okay. while back. Like, like before it came out, there was a mm-hmm. game that was run. Right. Where yeah, uh, where I ended up being the captain somehow, uh, <laughs> and I think that was on Astral, but it might have actually been on Roll Twenty because I don't remember. I think it was on Astral. I, I think I think if it's the group I'm thinking of, I think it was Astral. Yeah, it was just, it's like like Travis and all them. Yeah, yeah, it's probably Astral then. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> past that, my history is kind of similar, although I don't run a lot of games. Um, but I started playing. I started doing some role play in like AOL chat rooms when I was like oh, eleven wow. or twelve. Uh, I found I found the role playing chat rooms that were not gross. <laughs> right. There were very few that weren't gross for a twelve year old. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yep. I probably lied about how old I was because it was AOL in nineteen ninety seven. But yeah, so I played in those for a while uh, as like an extension of pretend games i played with my friends as a kid uh but i didn't really play too many structured rpgs online when i was younger like i did some like very freeform mushes and stuff where people whatever like there was no system in place you just do whatever the hell you want um and then yeah like I, i i didn't really do a lot online most of my tabletop rpgs were literally tabletop uh until recently when we started 
getting into Twitch and Roll20 and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I had a I, I, I had a period of time where I didn't really play anything online. Uh, if, if I was playing something online, it was probably World of Warcraft, you know? <laughs> like I was playing with, with people doing a video game more right. than I was playing yeah. RPGs. Right. I have heard there are people who um, would make World of Warcraft characters get into a guild and then use their guild chat to run completely different tabletop role-playing games. I never huh. saw that happen. I was in an RP guild for a while with one of my friends. I had a, I had a friend who got me into it. Um, and I, I just didn't enjoy that as much as just being myself personally. Right. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't do much with the role-playing side of uh, MMORPGs. <laughs> I only know this because uh, we, I remember hearing about a guild who did that specifically so they could play the world of Warcraft tabletop role-playing game, which I thought was just okay, amazingly that's, that's meta. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There are, there are enough uh, add-ons and stuff for a while. I am sure there is a, a die roller in there somewhere. Uh, so, yeah, I I never thought about that, but I could see doing that. It'd actually be kind of fun. It'd be like a LARP at that point, right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that's so weird to think about. But I, that's cool. I remember on the subject of AOL, I remember, I guess, my first chat room programs that I ever accessed were the Yahoo chat rooms. And so similar issues there with uh, the kinds of people that would use them and uh, very quickly told by a parent, you probably shouldn't be on there. And (laughs) I probably shouldn't. Um, But the way they were structured always gave me this uh, fantasy as a young role player that you could have a city where you, which is divided into chat rooms, where you had the central marketplace chat room, you'd have the castle chat room, you'd have this and mm-hmm. that and the other. I have no doubt plenty have done it since then. But I never found one at that time that could, I guess, cater to that need. And no one was ever responsible enough to be respectful of, I guess, not just invading different rooms while a role play was in in progress. So whenever I even tentatively peeked into these places, they tended to be used for things other than generic fantasy role play. Uh, but yeah, it was always, well, for a long time, it was something I wished could be possible. Right. But, but as soon as you start expanding an online group, or any group for that matter, uh, you know, larger than the 10 people you know really well, or even the five people you know really well, uh, it, you start getting chaotic elements that are no longer within a GM's control. And it, it, can't, it these communities tend to unspool, at least in my experience. I mean, uh, uh, in retrospect, I wish we'd grabbed Ian because um, it does remind me that the, the new yeah, Bremen chat. should have. <laughs> yeah. The new Bremen chat, from stories he's told me, was a lot like that in the sense they had separate areas of New Bremen that you could go to and they, you, know, you had moved between channels, you moved between places, and also did kind of unspool near the end um, because there was a lot of, you could play any World of Darkness character in New Bremen and that got pretty fast to the logical conclusion of what that will happen to be like. Um, but also lots of people still to this day talk very fondly about the new Bremen chat. So, I mean, clearly there was a lot of good happening in that space too. Yeah, I definitely was not familiar with that at the time, even though like it's, it's kind of weird because it came out when I was in high school Mm -hmm. and I was playing a lot of World of Darkness games with my high school friends. And I'm kind of surprised that we never like 
ran into that. Got into New Bremen? Yeah. Because I feel like one of us would have, but I, I, I don't remember anybody ever mentioning it. Like, I only ever heard about it as an adult, like, way after high school. And, like, I know there were a, a bunch of different chats. There was an Exalted one. There was Scarlands. Right. There was all kinds of different, you know, environments to play in. But we definitely didn't get into that when I was that age. No, I remember being aware of it and trying to access it on my first PC uh, all for 16-bit RAM and uh, bugger all processors and things like that. Just 640 by 400 degree resolution. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I could have been playing Ripper. Why, why was I trying to get into New Bremen? And, but I remember <laughs> that uh, the IRC window just wouldn't open. Uh, it, you know, it was one of those websites that, for whatever reason, the limitations on my computer at the time could have just been an antivirus or something like that that I had set up uh, would mean the IRC would not open. Might have, been some par- might have been some parental lock. So good on my parents for being responsible. But um, yeah, I, I remember trying to get in and never finding myself able to. So that's why I ended up role playing on forums instead. Your parents were a lot more. Uh... Like they they monitored your computer usage a lot more closely than mine did because you're all like, yeah, my parents said I shouldn't be in these Yahoo chats, and I'm like, I was looking at some weird shit when I was like twelve <laughs> or thirteen because I had a I had a single working mom, so like I came home yep. from school and so I was I. just alone for hours, yep. and so like I I did whatever the fuck I wanted on the internet. <laughs> No, we just we had one shared computer between us. It was in the living room, so there wasn't really much uh, capacity for looking at weird shit without ah. someone then finding it. Uh, so d- believe me, it wasn't for want of trying. <laughs> no, I, 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 because um, my, my mom specifically bought the, get the household computer for me, so pretty quickly it went up into my bedroom because I had a spare television I could hook up to back when you had to hook up to a TV. Um, and, and, and yeah, I was that... 12-year-old in the late 80s or 90s that would sit and watch for 15 minutes as that one picture of a porn would slowly show up line by line. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, no, I... Um, yeah, so I... Our, our shared computer was in, like, an office area, but like I said, I was often home for three to four hours with no supervision every afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like, I had friends that had computers in their rooms, and so we would go to their you know, place and look at weird shit right. uh, because we were all fucking deviants. Right. <laughs> we were little, little 12 and 13 year old deviants. And then once I got into high school, we got weirder. <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a weird tangent to go on, but uh, in the porn stories, <laughs> uh, there's, you used to, in the UK, uh, Sky is the main satellite provider or was the only satellite provider. I don't know if it's, well, it has changed now, of course, with broadband. But anyway, right. Uh, the you would get like free softcore pornography for like five minutes from eleven o'clock at night, uh, if you had Sky, and so you'd be able to see the sort of five minute teaser, and then it would become scrambled. It would become it would be <laughs> right. Sky oh, scrambled, and and you might get some big static image in the middle of the screen that says, you know, if you want to, if you want more pay, you know, ring this number with a responsible adult, and um. Or you might get this scrambled image, and so there'd be the you'd go over friends' houses, and just a bunch of teenagers sat there watching a screen, squinting desperately, <laughs> trying to trying to see something through, the, convinced that they could as well. You know, there'd be the. Did you just see that? I didn't see anything. We're looking at a scrambled image. You can't see. It doesn't matter how hard you squint. 
it's not. It's not a magic eye. <laughs> like... no. No, 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 we didn't have Sky. We had Channel Five, and uh, that was just as bad. You just had a very fuzzy black and white image that you had to try and squint through if you wanted to see a, a flash of anything. It was ridiculous. We we lived in uh, ancient primitive times. Right. <laughs> And see, me being American, I remember like coming to England when I was, I think, about 12, uh, 12 mm. or 13, uh, on a big family trip that we did, and being just shocked that after like 9 p.m., there could be like boobs on the television. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was well, like, what? That, like, that, what? That's <laughs> when we got the uh, Red Shoe Diaries with David Duchovny and the dog. I'm fairly certain we've discussed David Duchovny, the dog, and the Red Shoe Diaries on here. Yes. Uh, if not, I've talked to too many people about <laughs> it. There must be some long-lasting embedded trauma based from my teenage years. Right, but like where where I grew up, that was like a, you had to pay for HBO, right. and then it didn't come on until like 2 in the morning, yep. and you had to, you know, whatever. <laughs> and, and like it was all the protect the kids and not saying i never stayed up late and tried to watch that shit um because i did because i was a weird curious child um but being in england and just like turning on the tv at like 9 p.m before i went to bed and just seeing like like butts or whatever i was like this is weird why is this happening i don't understand and then i grew up (laughs) to realize that america has a weird puritan culture where we're totally cool with violence and awful awful gore and stuff but but boobs are right out um especially in online games (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> are you trying to bring it back are you trying really hard to bring it back <laughs> not really oh okay um i do know that we we, we we have all just to completely try to get back on topic we have all played on podcasts also between here and then redmond role-playing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the like um and then and i know all of us have played on twitch at some point even if it was just our initial scion game mm-hmm yeah, well, I had the same, I guess, reticence with podcasts that I probably did before I started doing video roleplay. I remember when I first got into, despite the fact I started roleplaying in text and then right. graduated to roleplaying at a tabletop uh, long before I did anything like LARP, and I only did that very briefly, uh, I was very snobbish about the idea of roleplaying online by a camera because I was thinking... Uh, you can't properly convey body language via camera. This isn't going to be the same. And of course, it's not the same, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Mm. And then when I was first invited to do a roleplay audio only, which I think the first time I did that was probably Redmond roleplaying, I was thinking, is, is it even possible? Can you roleplay audio only? Surely this has <laughs> never been heard nor seen before in the realms of humankind. Uh, not even considering that there are plenty of role players that are vision impaired right. that have been role playing this way for many or, years, and people who probably the fact that radio drama has been around for almost a century now. Ne- never right. mind that. <laughs> <laughs> and and then yeah, I, I did it and realized, oh okay, this is absolutely fine. <laughs> um, I personally don't love audio only as much as I enjoy video, um, just because I am a, a body language person. And I like being able to kind of embody the character a little bit more. Now, what I don't like about like Twitch streaming and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's the same thing I've mentioned about like Zoom calls where you don't know who's looking at you right. at any given time. Yeah. And so you have to be on the entire like two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever. Whereas yeah. if you're playing at a table, if like it's not your turn or the focus isn't on you, you can kind of like drop out of character for, a, you know, a, a couple minutes. 
Um, yeah. I, I, I'm not saying you should be like, you know, checking your phone and stuff, but you can you can like chill here and there and focus on somebody else. But when you're playing on Twitch and you have an audience like, you know, for our RV5 game that we played at Onyx PathCon for that they came in from the sea game that I played that that night, it was it was super fun. But also like I, I felt bad whenever I was breaking and laughing because I was like, everybody can see me and I feel bad about it, you know, because the focus should be on this person. But I'm up here cracking up because everybody's making jokes. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, it, it, it's the same thing, like. If you're playing, uh, I did that 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 uh, aberrant game for a little mm-hmm. while, and that was really fun, and I, I enjoyed doing it. But once again, it's the same thing where like I feel like I have to be like on the whole time, and that's difficult yeah. to do. It's, it's it's difficult to stay in a character for four hours and like just stare at your camera and not know who's looking at you. Yeah. Well, we we had a uh, a similar thing. Sorry, Eddie, okay. I, I'll shut up in a minute. Um, the so similar thing in terms of the not being able to switch off. Uh, I was I just concluded running uh, the they came from beyond the grave actual play for Red Moon role playing that's going to go up uh, during the course of the Kickstarter. Right, uh, just last night. And Red Moon Roleplaying quite tightly edit their shows. They like them to appear like uh, or sound like radio dramas, which is excellent. Right. It's part, partly why they're so well regarded, I think. And yet there was obviously a lot of laughter because it's a they came from game and that's kind of the point. But the laughter tends to have an out of character rather than in character. Right. So it's one of those right. rare instances where, well, afterwards I said to Craig from Red Moon Roleplaying, um, so I know you usually finally edit these things. I think in this case, you're going to need to keep a lot of the out of character material in if that's okay by you and with your show format. Otherwise it won't, properly convey that this is a they came from game right because the last time we did a they came from game for beneath the sea we actually played it straight face seriously by making it all lovecraftian as we called before but this one we were going for the hamminess of hammer horror and with john burke there especially he is prone to nonsense no um, so yeah there were, yeah he put out his business cards john burke <laughs> Prone to nonsense. But yeah, I I want I'm interested to see how the, how it comes out in the edit. I don't think they'll have a problem with doing that, mind you. But it did make me think. Okay, so this is something that is different than in other role playing games that you do try and broadcast for a particular reason, whether it's to convey horror or the deep mood of a game, or like you say, Dixie, where performers. Uh, on camera, you know, they're not breaking character. If you go over to Critical right. Role, as a, as I guess the apex example, they are playing those characters professionally, right. and I think there's a certain there's a certain pressure, not implied applied by them, but I think by people who participate in that medium now, uh, who try and role play online, to be like that to try right. and stay in character stay immersed and not show that this is affecting you on an out of character level yeah like i i didn't really think about that but i i, I truly did feel bad during my the game for the sea game because of how much i was laughing uh mostly because uh jacob and west just kept killing me with how funny they were <laughs> um and even just the stuff I was saying, I was like, I was like, I'm going to make myself giggle when mm. I say this, you know? Mm. Um, but like, 
I think you have to remember if you're streaming on Twitch and you're not Critical Role or whatever, you know, you're not LA by Night. I, I don't know. Like, I'm not a trained improviser. <laughs> I'm a I'm a trained actor. So if you gave me a comedic script and I memorized it, then I would be able to get through it without laughing because that's what a script mm-hmm. is for. Yeah. Um, but if I if 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 nothing's scripted, like I've. I've never been an improv person, and so like I'm, I'm, I'm not trained to not break. <laughs> and if my friends are being funny, I want to laugh. Like if we were all playing on the table, I would have no problem with it. You know, yeah. it's it's just because we're playing on camera that I feel badly about it. But also like that's part of the fun of they came from games, and I feel like showcasing that isn't a bad thing. Right, and I, I think we had this kind of of weird dichotomy um, in the sense of. A lot of people, when they're first starting to figure out how to play games online, they're naturally looking at Twitch streams or Critical Role or Geek and Sundry and going, oh, that's how you do it. But there is a distinction between playing online and playing online for an audience, as you both have brought up. Um, Right. I started just recently playing um, online using uh, uh, two different games, both of them using uh, Discord and one of them uses uh, uh, Roll20 is kind of just the map. Um, and the first game was just all purely on Discord, and I was playing it a lot like I see games play online, where it's like I have to be constantly on, I have to make sure I'm facing the camera, you know, I have to act like there's no audience, even though it was just for the, the group of us playing, and that was really exhausting. Um, and then uh, last weekend, um, uh, my roommate David, he ran um, uh, the Rick and Morty D&D adventure for us on Roll20, and... Um, because we are having Discord on one app and the map on the other, I found that I would just I kept pulling the map up and the Discord was just kind of behind it. And so I wasn't looking at the other people. I was looking at the map. And I stopped caring after a few minutes because I couldn't see the other people. So I didn't feel like I had to go. So I would, you know, just relax and you know, laugh, make out of character comments, much like I would around the table because I wasn't seeing the other people and feeling like I had to perform to them. And it was a much right. more relaxing, enjoyable experience for me. Um, and like with the, um, even with the, the Scion game that we've been playing here, it's like, yes, we're playing for an audience and, and it's intentional. We're doing it simply to kind of have fun and also show how the game is played. But also because I know both of you have been in physical space with you, I know your body language and your verbal tics really well. So again, I didn't feel like I had to perform for you. I felt like it was just three of us playing a game, even though it's going to eventually go out to an audience. The audience was not true. Persistent. Although sometimes I do want to like squint at something or like make a sure. face, and then I realize that I'm just sitting in my <laughs> office making a face, and that nobody can see it because that's my, you know, that's 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 how a lot of us role play. Like you, you don't just say what you're doing, and so there would be times where there'd be like a little pause in our game, and then I would be like, oh wait, I should narrate right. what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> like you know, oh she she looks at so and so, and you know looks suspicious no, or totally whatever. Because yeah, instead of squint, instead of squinting like a teenager with a scrambled sky channel, right? <laughs> so hard. But I'm same way. It's like I I I do lots of 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 hands and facial expressions in my games too. So like I'll throw my arms up, or you know, I'll I'll, I'll like stare at somebody, you know, comedically for for kind of a minute. And, and yeah, same thing. I kind of train myself out of that for the the audio only thing. Um, but uh, that, that if it's a fair point, it's like when people are watching you play on Twitch or any other service like that. There is the kind of expectation of okay, there's an audience here. We have to entertain them, even if you're not good at it, if not not your profession. We've built this expectation, um, and that can bleed over into online play, and also even like for 
older forums, like with forums and whatnot, there's still people reading it, right? Um, there's still people who aren't necessarily playing who are reading your output. And so there's still that expectation of I have to amp it up, perform a little bit more. I can't, I have to keep the, you know, cross table chatter down. Um, and right. to me, what I've learned actually relatively recently, now that I've had a chance to think about what I miss about in-person gaming is that that camaraderie, that making the jokes to table is actually part of the experience I really value. Um, and so it, it's, it's something that's interesting. It's a unique problem. Well, one of the many unique problems to online gaming is that how do you keep that, that camaraderie, the, the cross chatter, the, the jokes in without derailing the game? Because there's only one real avenue to communicate in an online game by design. Um, and I found there's certain workarounds like you, like for Discord, really handy because you, I could put jokes in chat, and I can make my jokes in the chat thing, so I'm not disrupting the the, the verbal discussion or the video discussion, but I can still make my offhand right. comments or put a GIF in there or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got a rule for the so I run a Pathfinder game set in the Forgotten Realms for some of my Patreons, and uh, I do that over Discord audio mm-hmm. only. And they um, that the rule there is you can use the text chat to to react to things out of mm-hmm. character um, and to, to go back and forth, but only use pictures mm. because I think uh, while I'm not someone who is so I'm not this uh, kind of hardcore deep immersion kind of player who feels like every single game has got to be conducted entirely in character or nothing like that. But at the same time, I feel like if the players are off to one side, text chatting to each other, they're not paying attention at all to what's going on. Um, Now, some people can type and listen at the same time, granted, but a lot of people Mm -hmm. can't. So to my mind, I think if you want to do a GIF react or if you want to do some kind of uh, you know funny photo that is analogous to what's going on in the voice chat, then go ahead. But yeah, I, I, I try to dissuade people from carrying on a completely uh, a non sequitur, as it were, um, in the in the chat while the game is taking. Yeah, I had, a, I had a game recently I was playing on Discord and I found that I got distracted when people would start putting out of character comments in the chat um mm. pr- possibly because i have add sure. I, I don't know but like it was just i would quit paying attention to whatever the gm was saying because suddenly i was getting little discord notifications and it was beeping and then people were talking and i was trying to read that and listen and i would be like ah, i missed whatever happened in the last three minutes you know and that and that wasn't great and that's fair. <laughs> the, the, one of the games i played in where i was doing that we also specifically created a channel for well, i think it was called just nonsense um and and it's something that the, the storyteller asked because then he could mute that it was like, okay, this channel's getting notifications that i don't have to pay attention to um and the rest right. of us who mm-hmm. wanted to engage in nonsense could do that um so i mean that's one possible solution to that but i mean i think you both bring up valid points is that when humans have built up a lot of structures around how to act around each other in a physical space we have not really built the same thing up for how to do that in digital spaces um and tabletop role-playing games it says it's obvious to say they're social activities but there's a lot of baggage that comes with that that i think as we're Moving from online is a nice thing to online right now, currently the main way we're playing these games, we, we find these the interesting wrinkles and, and, and complications. Like, and there's also other little things like um, uh, 
uh, while the storyteller, storytelling, story path systems are all generally pretty easy to, to run, they're still designed around physical dice. Um, and that's something that, you know, it, it takes a little bit of, of expertise or a specialized tool to be able to do things like roll, to, roll all of these 10-sided dice, let me know how many of them are this number or not, and also re-roll or double count number dice the specific results. And, maybe, and in some cases, subtract also successes based on these other results. That's a relatively complicated thing to create rather than just roll these dice and have them together. Um, right. So like when I'm looking at games I can run for friends online, you know, I, I'm generally looking for systems where a single dice roll is ultimately the output of rolling it. So I think it's the reasons why games like Dungeons and Dragons are still extremely popular online is because ultimately it's roll d20 at a number. Sometimes roll two, 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 one, you pick the higher one. There's not as much dice complexity, even though again, when you're using physical dice, it's actually relatively, you, know, you can physically move dice around, you can look at objects and, and are, as humans, we can interact with those. And we've designed 40, 50 years of the role playing games around physical dice. Um, so I will be curious to see more and more if more games are designed to accentuate how randomness is generated online better. Um, so like games like, um, let's take the, the new latest Star Wars role-playing game, for example. It uses very specialized dice. Um, uh, but I mean, also there are apps for that. They, they, they found a way around that. It's like, here's an app so you can roll those dice through your apps. So there's one way around it, but... It, it, it's one piece of it. Yeah. Yeah, the like FFG yeah, yeah. games, like all of those that I shouldn't say FFG games. I just realized I said that. See? See, we're, we're, we're back to ATM. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> it's in your head. <laughs> but yeah, like, but, 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 but so many uh, of the Fantasy Flight games use proprietary dice. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like, actually, what one of the games I was playing online recently on Discord was an L5R mm -hmm. game. And that the, there's a die roller bot, you know, for Discord. But it confused me every time because in L5R, which I've worked on, they're called, I think, skill dice and mm. ring dice. Mm. And the bot just calls them black and white dice. Mm. <laughs> and so I kept having to remind myself, like, which dies were black and which dies were white as opposed to just being able to say skill right. and ring. And that was yeah. very annoying to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah, so, I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, to kind of bring it back to Onyx PathCon, um, that was a, a really cool experience. I mean, I, I, it was a lot of fun. We played a lot of great games. Um, um, clearly yeah. at least one game makes you laugh a whole lot. I mean, so, you know, <laughs> that's all. It was much, just really apparently. funny. I was, <laughs> I, I, I was overtaken by, like, I, I had never played with, uh, Wes before. I had played with Jacob before, but, uh, I just knew Jacob was funny anyway. And then Meredith was there and Mer Meredith and I played a, the, the, the slightly like more straight man type mm -hmm. characters. Um, and yeah, like if, if anybody wants to watch me crack up for, you know, three hours, but also just wants to watch a really funny game, go check out the, uh, I think it's on YouTube now. If not, it's definitely on Twitch. Uh, the, I think Saturday night they came from beneath the sea game. Mm -hmm. Cause it was really fun. We, we spent, 30 minutes without our director doing much of anything, just playing off each other and being ridiculous. So, yeah. Right. Um, but, but I, I do think it is worth keeping in mind that um, uh, uh, there's a very real fear. And I've heard people articulate it, that they, their games have to be as good as critical role. Their games have to be as good as games you see on Twitch. Um, and it's like, no, if you're, if you're playing online, if you're not playing for an audience, 
be messy, you know, screw up, di- digress, yeah. um, just, you know, go off script for a while, decide to scrap the game and talk about politics for half an hour, whatever you got to do. It doesn't have to be for an audience unless you specifically design it to be for an audience. And online games don't all have to be that polished, refined product. Right. No, but I would say, um, not to counter that, but there is a view online... I don't know whether I would call this snobbish. Maybe elitist? No. Uh, So some uh, podcasters, uh, YouTube channels and the like, talk about the critical role gig and sundry type crews with an air of well that's not role not that's not what role playing is like and it's actually harming our hobby uh, this is an artificial sort of simulation of what rpgs are like if you want to see what role playing is really like you should be listening to these mm. uh, shows where people are happy breaking character and i think any kind of absolutism uh, in that way is pretty terrible because you're going to deter as many if not more people than you're going to attract uh, for one thing and you can also put the wrong kind of thoughts in in players heads i think it's more about appealing to personal taste than dictating what's right or wrong and certainly my views have changed dramatically over the years that i've engaged with online role-playing and i had no idea the onyx PathCon would go as well as it had as it has done uh the Honestly, I had misgivings. I had some doubts that we would be able to run such a an efficient and entertaining mm-hmm. gaming program, but we did it for three days and no complaints. Yeah. That you know, yeah. that's remarkable. Uh, that there was no complaints from viewers, no complaints from players, no complaints from GMs. Sincerely, Everything. the only complaint I heard consistently was, "Why aren't there more games?" <laughs> yeah, and that, that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely a good problem to have. Uh, so, yeah, everything I participated in during the Onyx Path convention was a success, and I'm really glad that we did it. And hopefully, it will mean we go on to do more of them. And maybe we will run more games then if we can get more reliable GMs. That's the um, not not to imply the ones we had this time weren't, but I mean we need an an increased number yeah. of GMs who are also reliable. Well, right. one of the things that like just a little behind the scenes stuff for people, um, we we had Gehenna Gaming and a few other folks to do all of our non broadcast games and a few of our broadcast games, um, but Gehenna Gaming is not like an Onyx Path group; they're a horror gaming group. So their GMs, while great, mostly run like V5, maybe a couple of other like World of Darkness games. They do Cult, they do Call of Cthulhu, all that stuff. So when we're stepping in being like, okay, run Scion, they're having to learn the system. (laughs) And they're having to learn the game uh, really quickly. So that's part of why we didn't have a ton of games from all of our different lines. I know some people were sad there was a little bit more like uh exalted available to play and that's just because we didn't have a lot of people who were available to run it um and that's a that's a difficult system to learn um so hopefully if we do this in the future if we if 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 we do another one we can give people a little bit longer of a lead time as far as learning all the systems and games so that they can run them efficiently yeah yep absolutely and actually speaking of uh additional online games um uh right now the three of us are in discussion of me running a trinity game yeah, I'm excited about that one. Yeah, um, we are still hammering our details, but right now it looks like I'm running a Trinity core game, so it's going to be set in modern day. 
Um, and I think I'm going to be running uh, Archangel because it's uh, one of the bits of the modern day game that don't get a lot of attention. It's not really talked about much. It's a couple of side references in, in media res, but it's not the Anne Society. It's not Nine. It's 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 one of the. And it's interesting. It, it does some interesting, cool stuff. Um, so what does it do, Eddie? <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> Archangel is now to put me in the spot. Um, uh, Archangel is a uh, uh, is a private philanthropic organization um, that happens to have very talented people to solve problems. So like, it's like talent, like, like yeah, ta- capital T talented. <laughs> you had to hear the capital letters in this purely audio medium. Um, so are they like fixers, like a leverage or scandal type crew. That's the, problems, but yeah, like, that, that, that's kind of what I'm, I'm, I'm visualizing. Um, uh, uh, but again, I'm still mulling over details. Um, because first of all, we want to talk about character concepts, and I want to probably build more right. when I have the character sheets in front of me. Because I, I tend to like, okay, here's the rough guidelines, see the characters, and then build the actual story based on the characters in front of me. I find that's a good balance for my own GM style. Right, that makes um, sense. Uh, uh, but no, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm excited because I've not run this particular game before, although I'm familiar with story path and I'm familiar with Trinity in general. Um, and also I've Are never, you? I haven't Are run a modern sure? day game in a while. I mean, I've run superhero stuff, but I haven't run like just, you know, action adventure, modern day games in quite a while. So it'd be, it'd be new for me in that respect. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of what I was enjoying about our Scion game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I, I've only played one game run by you. I think Eddie, uh, yeah, you played it in you... disservice. I played Pugmire, I think. Right. It may have even been the first time I attended Gen Con. I don't, I'm not sure. Uh, no, um, actually, I wasn't even running that game. Not somebody else running, I was sitting in that game. That was it, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. So, no, mm-hmm. I don't think you have ever ran something for me before. I played in that one game with you at Save Against Fear. Yep. And I think that's the only thing that you've run for me? Yeah, that was the uh, Monarchies of Mal Pugmire cross game. Yeah, it was. It was. It had the uh, the uh, Tengu in it from Pirates. Yep. Yeah, that was fun. So we get to judge your GMing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I've I've never run games for either of you, and I probably won't because it's not my thing. No, that's not true. You okay. ran um, parsley. Parsley for me. I don't consider that running a game. That's just me reading a book. You know, <laughs> like it doesn't feel like I'm running a game when I'm running Parsley. It's it's super fun and I enjoy it, but it definitely is like everything I'm reading is pretty much off the page. Yes, but you you uh, I mean yes, you should read off the page, but you have this great tone of very slightly exasper- exasperated with everything that is perfect for Parsley. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I I do like running Parsley. It's a really fun game to just like pull out of your bag and run at a con for a few random people mm-hmm. uh it's 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 super cool but yeah that's a, that's a it's not quite the same as running a like scenario but yes i technically run parsley although the first game you and i ever played together eddie was inspectors it was actually with rose ran yeah many many years ago <laughs> over over a decade ago i think yeah wow it's hard to believe that inspectors is that old but yeah it has to be yeah just just based on when i was in atlanta uh, <laughs> so does anybody have any other memories from uh, Onyx Pathcount they want to talk about before we wrap up? Any specific actual plays you want to call out for people to go check out? Or panels? Well, it would be remiss of me with They Came From Beyond the Grave coming up on Kickstarter to not pe- point people towards the actual play of that. 
that of course you participated in Dixie. Uh, we also had uh, Ian from Gehenna Gaming. We had Rich, uh, Thomas, our very own, and we also had B. Dave Waters, who people will know from LA by Night. Uh, who stole the show like his character was so good oh yeah yeah uh there, there, there <laughs> may be some games i run where i'd think okay that spotlight needs to be widened somewhat to encompass the rest of the party but no it it, it was all right i think he deserved it <laughs> yeah i mean speaking of like you just just trained improvisers versus <laughs> you know regular people like myself mm. like he he was just there yeah. Like he was, he was there. He was in character. He was doing it the whole time. It was great. It it, it was it was really fun. Um, the rest of us were fine, but like I, I sometimes someone steals the show a little bit, and that's okay. Yeah. Like he he did a really good job. I'm not gonna you know downplay that. That's the thing. It wasn't a competition. Everyone had fun. The plot was nice yeah. and simple. Yeah, totally. And yeah, everyone was using the quips and the cinematics and the other parts of the system that we want to show off. And so if you're interested in seeing how they came from Beyond the Grave plays, there's actually going to be a few options. You've got that actual play. You're going to have the Redmond role-playing one. Vorpal Tales are going to be running one. Gehenna Gaming will be running one later um, this month. So yeah, lots of places to check that out. But I'm very fond of that one because it was the very first broadcast of Beyond the Grave. And uh, I, yeah, I'd love it if people uh, gave it a view and let us know your thoughts. Yeah, totally. Eddie, do you have any highlights? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I only played in one game because, um, full disclosure, right at the time this was being uh, uh, planned, I was struggling with a lot of, of my own mental health issues, so I wasn't feel like I could have been as on for a game. So I, yeah. I asked for a reduced load for the convention, and I regret that. Honestly, I, I think it would have had a lot of fun, but it is what it is. Um, so I did play in one game of Monarchies of Mal, um, which was a lot of fun. It was run by uh, Crystal Mazur. Um, and I enjoy playing in my own games, although um, I, I admit uh, I, I had to still kind of choke back, like, no, that's how that rule works, and that's not what that setting piece is. But, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, my, I'm not there to tell her she's playing it wrong. I'm there to have fun. And, and it was still a ton of fun. So, I mean, it, you know, I was able to kind of pretty quickly put that in the box and just enjoy the game. And I got to play uh, uh, Your Sweet Baby Sabian. Uh, 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 I to play the, Sweet Baby Sabian. The little malmancer. Um, and he was he was very kind of... of of shy and awkward and occasionally creepy, so that was fun. That's 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 why I love Sabian is because he's usually just like inadvertently creepy. Yep. He's like, "What? I have this skull. Like, why? Why, why is that weird? Like, he 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 doesn't get it." Right. Um, there was one point where yeah. it's like, um, like you know, uh, uh, you know, we should kill this person. They're having big worlds of blade, and, and and Sabian's like, "So so are we gonna kill kill?" <laughs> <laughs> because because I, I I I like to examine that very closely, and they're just like. Staring at me and say, "Oh, I mean, of course, no. We should, we should discuss this." <laughs> <laughs> um, but aside from that, um, also on the panel front, um, I, I did run a panel on Sunday nights um, writing for RPGs, um, and that was surprisingly much cooler than I, I expected. Because I've done a lot of panels like that before. Here's what's like the right role playing game industry, and I was prepared for that. Um, but uh, uh, my two co panelists, one. Um, is the uh, Alyssa, who's um, the head of the DMs Guild, uh, and one who mm-hmm. I can't remember their names sadly. I, I, Kiana. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, and they very much come from the HIO independent scene, and so it was a really great conversation because we all three had very different perspectives on what it's like to write for role playing games and mm-hmm. what, and how we perceive the industry, and so it ended up being a very very good conversation, showing you three very different paths into how you could become a professional or at least a, a paid. 
uh, writer of role-playing games. So that was a very cool panel, and I do recommend... I've read a lot of the stuff we talk about the industry, but that in particular, because I think is a very uh, well-fleshed-out view of the industry in 2020. Totally. I um, You know, it, it, it's funny that, that you mentioned that you regret not, not doing more because we've both been struggling with various mental health things, like mm-hmm. a lot of people have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I shouldn't have done as much as I did at the con. Mm-hmm. Like, I did, I think, four games and a couple of panels. Mm-hmm. Or, or two three three games of colonials I, I i don't even remember and i um i felt like i was dead on monday <laughs> like <laughs> i i it, it it took way more of my energy than i thought it would i was i was sitting here thinking like yeah it'll be like energizing like i'll hang with my friends which is what a normal convention does for me right um but once again it's not the same because you're just staring at a camera and being anxious or weird or whatever all weekend and i was just like this is not good like i don't know who's watching me i can't like be off at all Mm -hmm. uh whereas at at a at a physical convention i can like sit down for a few minutes here and there you can go to the bathroom and be alone you know yeah (laughs) and also you can just feel any of that you can also just like uh, get into random conversations like you're sitting down next to to me or or neil or whoever and just start talking about stuff can we do it in the digital form Right. So I wasn't getting any of the like friendship chats that we usually have at cons. I was only getting the like perform for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, I I overextended myself a little bit and felt very weird for a couple days afterwards. Um, That that said, I, I, I did have fun while I was playing all the games. Right. Um, it was just like the the con drop was particularly bad. I don't usually experience a, a, a con drop type sensation that people talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely did for this. Um, but I would say definitely check out uh, the, the Came From Beneath the Sea game that I've mentioned already. Yeah. Uh, that was super fun and very silly. I do make some very off-color jokes. Um, <laughs> because... Yeah, it was late. We were we were punchy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that that uh, Beyond the Grave game with Matthew, also the Exalted Essence playtest we did Friday night. Yeah, uh, was really really fun, and I'm glad we got to kind of showcase that for a bunch of new players. That was that, the one that Monica Specker ran. Yeah, Monica Specker ran that Rich and I played in, and Neil. Yeah. So that was super super fun. Um, I I. I enjoyed having that 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 mixed party of a bunch of different exalts working together. It was really cool. Uh, and Danielle, I was like, I was like, someone else was in that game. Who was it? Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I I didn't forget you, Danielle. I'm so sorry. <laughs> sure, remember that. I played so many like random games with Danielle that I think I just like throw Danielle into games that she wasn't in in my brain. Oh, I see. <laughs> Because, uh, like, I think she's one of the people that I've played a big, like, variety of games with. Like, she was at my L5R game. I've done the playtests with her, you know, and then we, we did, did Essence and whatever. And I'm just like, oh, she's just around in, in games. So It's funny. I, I've, uh, I was only during this call, I've just, uh, or this recording, I should say, uh, that I remember that I ran Pugmire for Eddie back when the Kickstarter was going. That's right. You did. I played with John Burke, too. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that was over on my YouTube channel mm-hmm. uh, b- before before I was in the industry, I think, or just on the cusp of it. It may have been um, when I was just getting into the writing, I guess, just based on when Pugmire was kickstarted. Yeah, I, th- um, I think it, yeah, I think you were known to me at the time because um, it was it was very comfortable. I remember I remember you reaching out and going, "Oh yeah, sure," um, which normally I'm not that yeah. fast to respond. 
Um, but yeah, no, it was it was 2017, so it's been a while. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I probably already started developing books by then. Anyway, uh, I was going to say, yeah, I think I think that you were in a little bit before I was because I was like already editing by the time Pugmire came out because I edited Pugmire. Right. Yeah. So no, no, you are completely correct. I think I actually started doing writing somewhere around 2013 or 14. So it was a while after that. But uh, yeah, I remember interviewing you for my uh, YouTube channel and then running that game. Right. Time has no meaning. No, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, subsequently I ran Wraith the Oblivion for you, didn't I? In London. That's right. That's true, yep. Mm. Well, before we get into just reminiscing who's run which games for whom, uh, <laughs> I do want to say a big thank you to Gehenna Gaming and Rebel Tales and everybody else that helped with the Onyx Pathcon. Uh, if we do it again, which I think a lot of us would like to, so we'll we'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will try to announce it further in advance and get some more games going. Absolutely. Yep. But past that, uh, Eddie, where can people find you and follow you if they want to talk to you more about your Commodore 64 or... Uh, <laughs> Running, running games by post. Um, you can uh, uh, find me at uh, pugsteady.com or you can find me at uh, pugsteady on Twitter or Facebook. And I'll be happy to talk to you about uh, ch- uh, Channel 23, which is the BBS I ran back in the 80s. Okay. Matthew, if they want to talk to you about uh, squinting at Sky TV. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why should I point them for that? Um, if, uh, if you want to discuss anything else with me, that you can find me on MatthewDawkins.com, which has recently been updated with uh, up-to-date credits and other such things. Uh, they can also find me on Twitter as ClackClickBang. I'm also all over the various discords relating to Onyx Path and the World of Darkness as Matthew Dawkins. So always feel free to reach out and say hi. You can find me everywhere at Dixie Cyanide for all social media, DixieCochran.com for credits, although I, mine's not updated anytime recently. I should probably do that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sadly out yeah. of date. You can find us at TheOnyxPath.com, the Onyx Path on most social media. And as always, many worlds, one pathcast. <laughs>